Hello, everyone, and welcome to the From the Hack podcast for week 21 of the 2019-2020 curling season. This week's episode is a special one, as it is our holiday episode, and our guests include seven junior players from different regions of Canada and the United States, each of them making their first curling podcast appearance. We will also recap the Booz National Grand Slam that took place in Conception Bay South, where both Team Hasselberg and Team Jacobs won their second consecutive slams of the season. All that and more this week on the From the Hack podcast. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams, at the World Championships, and at Nationals in Canada and the U.S., well, the answer is provided by Jedi's, whose in-ice graphics from Easy and Textile logos to the world-famous Jedi's Full House product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much-needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and Textile logos are the industry standard for high-quality logos and they're a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable Full Houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. Last week's Boost National Grand Slam was held in Conception Bay, South Newfoundland for the second consecutive year. As I mentioned in the opening, both Team Hasselberg of Sweden and Team Jacobs of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario won their second consecutive slam titles of the season. In the women's event, Team Hasselberg took advantage of a four-ender in the fourth end to defeat Team Jones for, you guessed it, their fourth career Grand Slam title. In the men's event, it was Team Jacobs winning a tightly contested 3-1 championship game over reigning world champions Team Adine. It was a sixth Grand Slam title for Team Jacobs and their second with Mark Kennedy on the team. On the Tuesday after U.S. Thanksgiving on what is called Giving Tuesday, I wrote on Facebook and on Twitter that I would include an interview with a junior curler on the From the Hack Holiday episode and ask people to submit the names of junior curlers that they believe would make good podcast guests. We received over 60 submissions and, as a result, I chose to do interviews with seven junior players as opposed to one. The only two things that these players have in common is that they are junior curlers and have never been on a podcast before. They include everyone from an 8th grader to someone who is in her first year of university. It includes at least one skip, one third, one second, and one lead. It includes players from six different regions in Canada and one guest from the U.S. And it includes a young lady who has overcome two separate battles with cancer to become an Ontario high school curling champion. Please note that if your region is not represented in this episode, we will strive to do something with a junior from your region in the lead up to the 2020 Canadian Juniors. Our first guest this week is Emily Deschang, who will represent Canada next month at the 2020 Youth Olympics in Lausanne, Switzerland. Emily, how did you first get into curling and where did you learn how to play? Yeah, so I got into curling from watching the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. So I was just scrolling through the TV and the like curling was on. So I was like, oh, this looks interesting. So I was watching it. And I was one of the kids that was like in front of the TV trying to do what they were doing. Um, so then my parents then uh, put me into the Manatic Curling Center's Little Rock program. Um, so since then, I've been curling out of Manatic and have loved curling ever since. You competed in the Under-18 Championships last season and won a silver medal. Losing in a national final is certainly disappointing. But what did you learn at the Under-18s that has made you a better curler this season? Um, I definitely uh, learned that on arena ice, it curls a lot more than your traditional curling club. And that you're never really out of the event until it's over. Um, We battled um, up and down. It was kind of like a roller coaster week. Um, so we then got into the championship round and we just put everything together and tried to put everything we had and get to the final. But unfortunately, it like didn't work in our favor. But we definitely learned a lot um, on the arena ice and just traveling as a team because um, we didn't really do that since like as a team, we haven't flown to travel. So that was an experience. 
In early January, you will be headed to Lausanne, Switzerland for the 2020 Youth Olympics, where you will play on a mixed team with Jaden Ewart of Winnipeg, Lauren Rajala of Sudbury, and Nathan Young of Torbay, Newfoundland. How excited are you about the chance you're going to get to wear the Maple Leaf at the Youth Olympics and represent Canada there? I'm really excited to, one, wear the Maple Leaf, um, represent Canada, and just to get the chance to play at an international event, because I haven't done that yet. But I'm really excited to wear the Maple Leaf and represent Canada. Have the four of you gotten a chance to get together for some practice since being named to the Youth Olympics team last spring? Um, so in August, we went to Kitchener in Ontario, and there was a Curling Canada camp. So we all met each other there for the very first time in person. And then a week later, we had the chance to go to the Brad Gushu camp in Newfoundland. So that was a very fun experience to be in a camp setting and to be in Newfoundland with Brad Gushu's team. Um, and then in the end of October, they all came to Ottawa for an event. So we were all playing there. We played on the boys' side. And then we were at the Canada Cup in Leduc, and we were training at the Savile Centre and then we got the chance to play on the arena ice and watch a few games and talk to many of the curlers that were there. Um, so it's been a very good experience for all of us. And then the next time we see each other is when we fly out to Switzerland. We've spoken about your youth Olympic team, but now let's talk about your current junior team. Who are your teammates this season and what big events do you have coming up? Um, so I play with Celeste Gauthier, uh, Jillian Uniac, and Emma Artichuk. Um, so there's a funny story that, um, Emma and I have started playing together at the same time and we've played together ever since and we're like best friends. Um, but our biggest event coming up is U21 Provincials right after Christmas. And then we have our Ontario Winter Game qualifiers a week later. So those are our two big ones coming up. Um, and our goal is to get back to U18 Provincials. And our goal is to make it back to Nationals. Is there any one player that you try and emulate on the ice or that you have patterned your game after? Um, I think I've definitely followed like what Rachel's team has done. Just one, they're from Ottawa. So if we ever need anything, you can reach out and... They're more than happy to help us out. But I definitely think that team as a whole has, like, one team I look up to. Yes, they're from Ottawa, so I do cheer for them. But I think that is the one team that I've kind of, like, shaped my curling around. Um, there's also that, and plus we have Earl Morris as our, like, mentor coach. So he's doing some of the same things that he did with Rachel's team. So we do get a little bit of what they used to do when they were in juniors and growing up, but it's definitely a team that I look up to. And finally, Emily, who is the one person who's had the biggest impact on your curling game to date and why? Um, I think it's my coach that has coached me since I started curling, basically. Um, he's always pushing me to do my very best, and he's always there for me. And I definitely think he's someone that's shaped who I am today on and off the ice. So I want to uh, send a big shout out to my coach on my regular team, Greg Artichuk. Our next guest is Ryan Abraham, who has represented two Atlantic provinces at the Canadian Juniors and who skipped Nova Scotia to a runner-up finish in the first ever Canadian Under-18 Junior Curling Championship. Ryan, how did you first get involved in curling and at what club did you first learn how to play? I started curling at the age of five years old at the Mayflower Curling Club. My father was the junior director at the time, and uh, I spent my Saturdays at the rink. Uh, from about 6 a.m. until 3 p.m. every Saturday, I was at the Mayflower riding the rocks up and down the ice, I imagine. And it wasn't until a few years later that I was able to join a team and uh, start taking the game more competitive. You grew up playing at the Mayflower Club, uh, one of the more iconic clubs on the east coast of Canada, which has produced several very good teams and individual players. Did playing in the Mayflower with all of the banners and with so many past champions still members there provide a young Ryan Abraham with any additional motivation to learn and excel at the sport of curling? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, just seeing those banners hanging from the, the rafters, it gives you a sense of inspiration and just being able to 
when you're practicing, look over to the next sheet over and see someone like Mark Dacey or someone like Colleen Jones uh, practicing next to you. I think that is another sense of inspiration to try and do your best to have a career like they did. You represented Nova Scotia at the 2015 and 2016 Canadian Juniors playing second on your team. What did you take from those two experiences that helped you when you skipped the Nova Scotia team that competed at the first ever Canadian under-18 curling championship where you finished runner-up? Yeah, I definitely think that those that experience playing at the Canadian Juniors definitely helped me in going to the under-18s. I don't think there were too many players there that had that same experience. And I just tried to use that all week uh, to to my advantage. And I think later in the week, it definitely showed that our team uh, had an advantage for sure. And uh, using that experience that we had prior, it uh, definitely helped us later on in the week. Some of the skips you played against at the Under-18 Championships in 2017, Jacob Horgan and Tyler Tardy as examples, have gone on to bigger and better things. What do you think about when you watch players like that playing at a World Junior Championship and or competing in the final of a slam event like Jacob Horgan did in the Tour Challenge Tier 2 event this season? Does it get you chomping at the bit a little bit to face them again in major competitions? Yeah, I definitely think so. I've played Jacob and Tyler many times throughout the past four or five years, and I have a ton of respect for those guys, and I think they're doing great things in the curling world now. Um, I think that I'm ready to play against them once I get out of juniors. I think that uh, we'll, we'll definitely meet a few times more in our careers. In 2019, you left Nova Scotia to go to school in PEI and ended up representing that province at the 2019 Canadian Juniors. How strange was it to wear another province's colors at the Canadian Juniors, and did your buddies back home give you any grief as a result? I don't think there was too much grief. I think all of the Atlantic provinces are all usually friends at the the juniors and then any national that you go to. I think the Atlantic provinces kind of stick together. And I think it was a little bit strange, definitely, to look down at my jacket and see the green rather than the navy blue. But I think I got used to it by the end. You played in the 2019 Canadian Mixed Doubles Championship with Rachel O'Connor winning the Provincials to get there. Once at Nationals, you competed in the pool against Olympic Mixed Doubles gold medalist John Morris, Canadian Mixed Doubles champ Reed Carruthers, and former Canadian Mixed Doubles champs Wayne Tuck Jr. and Kim Tuck. Did you get the chance to pick the brains of any of these players as they were and learn from them while competing at the Canadian Mixed Doubles Championship? Yeah, like you said, that was my first real time curling against people of that stature, and I think that. It's pretty cool just to see how curlers like that operate. Um, I definitely tried to pick their brain a little bit whenever I was around them. And uh, I think it's great for me to really see how those curlers prepare and how they really perform at at an event like that. I just tried to do whatever I can to take mental notes and uh, try to replicate that the next time I go to a competition. While you were growing up, uh, Ryan, was there any player that you tried to emulate or pattern your game after? I think so. Growing up, I always was a big fan of Kevin Cooey and how he's so calm in those pressure moments. I think I really try to replicate that whenever I get into a situation like that. And I love watching the Team Gushu, but especially Mark Nichols at third. I, I love the way he throws the rock, and I love how, how great of a teammate he is on the ice. It's been a long time now since a men's team from Nova Scotia has made a deep run at the Briar. You obviously know all the young teams and players currently competing out of Nova Scotia. Who do you think might be the teams who could eventually lead Nova Scotia back to the playoffs at the Briar? There's a ton of talent that comes out of Nova Scotia. And I think sometimes they are looked over. And I think a team like Jamie Murphy is such a a talented team. And they've all been there and done that and have so much experience on that team. And I think last year you saw a team like Stuart Thompson represent uh, Team Nova Scotia for the first time at the Briar. And uh, I think that we're kind of in a little bit of a transitional period in that province where the next generation is coming and uh, there's a lot of young talent coming up. So I think it's just a matter of finding a team that's willing to travel and play in those events across Canada just to get that experience in. Like I say, there's lots of talent, so it's just a matter of getting the preparation. And once that happens, I believe that you'll see a Team Nova Scotia in the playoffs at the Briar sometime soon. I think it's fair to say that you're more than a one-sport athlete, having played baseball competitively in Nova Scotia. Can you describe one skill or trait that has helped you succeed in both sports? We kind of see two different uh, landscapes of how a baseball team works 
versus how a curling team works. But I think just the overall team camaraderie, I've learned a ton from each sport. And uh, I think that along with the communication, I think communication is one thing that I pride myself on trying to communicate well with my teammates. I definitely think that I've used baseball to help my communication in curling and uh, I've used curling to help be a great teammate in baseball as well. And finally, Ryan, speaking of teammates, I thought I'd give you a second to shout out your teammates before I let you go. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have Tyler Smith at skip. Uh, I'm playing third. Jake Fleming is at second. And we have Ryan Lowry at lead. It's a great team, and I love playing with those guys. Our third guest this week is Natalie Hollins, an eighth grader from Ohio who is in her first season of competitive curling. Natalie, you're in eighth grade right now and fairly new to the sport of curling, so I'm wondering how you first got interested in the sport and where you learned how to play. Um, I actually didn't really know about it until I was in about fifth grade, I think, Um, and my dad started. I think I did it because uh, my dad was doing it, and uh, he started curling to uh, make fun of it. He didn't think it was a sport. He was like, why is this in the Olympics and where is his gold medal? And uh, after his first curling game, he woke up the next morning and he couldn't move. Um, and it was a challenge, and he he was very excited to pursue curling so that he could face all of the challenges. And uh, after he started, I was kind of uh, um, excited to learn, too. Maybe get something that I can uh, eventually beat him at. <laughs> You've been to the U.S. Junior Curling Camp a couple of times now. What have you learned at those camps, and how has it made you a better player when you got back to your club. Yeah, so there's a U.S. Junior Curling Camp, and uh, it was in Blaine, Minnesota for the past two years. Um, and it's actually so much fun, uh, and I've learned so much. I go there, and then I come back to our home club in Bowling Green, and I just improve so much. They teach you so much technical stuff, and um, they teach you sweeping. They teach you everything. And uh, I've learned so much from that curling camp for the past, over the past uh, two years, um, and I've had a blast there. Um, now, there's also, I've been to a curling camp in uh, Canada, uh, the Trillium Curling Camp. I went to this past year for the first time, and I've got to say it's quite different than the U.S. Junior Curling Camp. Um, I think it focuses more on team building skills, you know, uh, chemistry. But from both camps, I think they give a great experience. A lot of young people your age, especially in the U.S., have not really ever heard of curling. What would you say to those young people, fellow 8th graders, to get them interested in trying out the sport at your club? Well, I'd tell them first that uh, curling is an amazing sport. Something that I love about curling is that it's very inclusive. And uh, a lot of it, um, getting into it, like very beginning level, like club level. When you first start getting into curling, it's very, it's like sportsmanship. There's a lot of very kind people that are willing to help you and, and teach you throughout your experience. Curling, I would say to a bunch of other people, if they don't understand what it is, I'd uh, tell them it's a mix between shuffleboard and chess on ice. I think that's the uh, simplest way that I could put it, but I'd tell them also it's very inclusive and tons of fun. One of your early curling highlights was that you won your age group at a hit, tap, and draw contest in the U.S. Can you explain the hit, tap, and draw for those in our audience that may not be familiar with this type of competition? So the hit, tap, and draw contest is where we take turns hitting stones in the house, tapping stones back into the house, and drawing into the house, and how we did it depended on or the points that we got depended on um, how well we did each of those three things. The hit, tap, and draw competition was held at our um, at the Black Swamp Curling Center, home of the Bowling Green Curling Club here in Northwest Ohio. Um, our club actually has the it's the largest dedicated curling ice facility, and uh, it has four sheets. But the hit, tap, and draw competition was a blast to do. We actually got on the cover of a curling magazine. Um, my sister. Um, a little girl, Ella, and I. And it was actually a blast doing that with the three of them. One of the things that coaches look for in junior curlers is not only their technical ability, but also how coachable they are and how much they respect the sport, their teammates, and the opposition. In 2018, Natalie, you were named the recipient of the Katie Beck Award, which recognizes a young curler that exhibits those traits. Tell me more about winning that award at the U.S. Junior Curling Camp. 
Oh, yeah. So I won that award at the um, U.S. Junior Curling Camp in Minnesota. Um, and I honestly didn't really see that coming. <laughs> it was my first year, and uh, I was just there to make a bunch of friends, you know, um, have tons of fun and learn a lot. And at the end of the week, it was the award ceremony, and they were giving out awards. And the next thing I knew, I was at the front of the room being handed this award, and I, I couldn't believe it. It was so cool. I get to ask you about the team you're playing with this year, so I thought I'd give you a few seconds to give a shout-out to your teammates and share which big events you're getting ready for. This is my first year curling competitively, and uh, these girls from Cleveland that curl at the Midland Curling Club um, were so kind um, to invite me onto their team. Now, last year, they were on a team with Delaney Strauss, who graduated uh, the U18 level and moved on to high performance. Uh, so last year they were Team Strauss, and this year they are moving around the places a little bit, and now they're uh, Team Murphy. Um, last year they won first for the Playdown event, and they got fourth for Nationals, so that was really cool to see. And um, so this year I play lead, Hannah McRae plays second, Isabel Saw plays vice, and Katie Murphy is a skip. Um, and Katie Murphy actually, uh, she has another team that won gold and is, or won and is going to the Youth Olympic Games next month in Switzerland. So that's so exciting for her. Um, I can't wait to cheer her on and I hope she has a blast. Is there a player that you've seen compete either live in person or on TV that you attempt to emulate when you're competing on the ice? For me, that is like everybody. Anytime I see curling on TV, I always like, I, uh, watch closely to see how they, uh, slide out. I see how, how far their arm is extended. I, I watch to see how high they raise their hips. So I think that for me would be everybody that, uh, that curls. And finally, Natalie, I was curious to know if your parents let you get up in the middle of the night a couple of years ago to watch the gold medal game at the 2018 Olympics between Team Schuster of the U.S. and Team Adina of Sweden. Uh, yes, we were actually up during that and, and, uh, that was so amazing to watch. That was so cool. If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist Team Schuster or Women's Olympic gold medalist Sweden's Team Hasselberg. Or how about the top Canadian teams like Briar Champs Team Cooey, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and world champions like Team Adine and Team Tiranzoni. The list is endless. And Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is perfect for beginners. The lightest composite broom on the market. It's lighter than air. They offer a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and a pro-slide delivery aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution. Our next guest is Landon Field, who is a junior curler from Saskatchewan, and he was competed at the Junior Provincials last season and also has competed in mixed doubles events on the World Curling Tour. So Landon, how did you first get involved in the sport of curling and at what club did you first learn how to play? Well, when I first got involved in curling, it was when uh, I lived in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, got involved there with the junior curling program. Uh, Danette Tracy put that on and coached me and, and taught me how to curl, started the junior league. And then a couple years later, uh, just last year, I managed to come full circle and play mixed doubles with Danette at the Saskatchewan Mixed Double Provincials. But it, it all started in Weyburn with a real sense of community, small town Saskatchewan, and it is just a real part of my life, you know, part of everyone's life in the community. You skipped your team to the Provincial Juniors last season where the competition was tough and where your results may not have been what you would have liked them to be. That said, what did you learn at the Provincial Juniors last season that you think helped you become a better curler? Yeah, last year at the Junior Provincials, I think I just learned that it it's uh, a game that anybody can win on a given day. And it's just a matter of throwing the right weight at the right broom and anybody can make any shot any time. And the best part about curling, especially last year at the Provincials, was meeting all of the other guys there that I played against and eventually developed this new team this year where I play third for Team Cody Sutherland. And meeting everybody on my team last year at the Provincials and, and playing against each other on tour, is, is that's probably my favorite part about the game is, is meeting everybody and being able to make new friends and, and develop new connections. 
You played in a few mixed doubles competitions last season with a fellow junior, uh, Emily Hopstein. Uh, what was it like playing mixed doubles against teams that included John Morris, Steve Laycock, and other top curlers, even if it wasn't in a men's event, but in a mixed doubles environment? What did you learn the most from them, and did you try to pick their brain a little bit to get as much information from these uh, seasoned veterans as you could? Well, mixed doubles is definitely a very humbling game because on any given day you can play great and the next day you can miss every single shot and the we just had a great weekend we really worked together as a team and just wanted to go out and have fun and learn the game and beating Steve Laycock was probably really cool and then playing against John Morris I I had a shot to potentially win the game and I missed but then uh, but just being able to play people like that is is just incredible especially as a junior curler. Now, I realize that the main objective for young curlers is still to qualify and perhaps even win big events like the Briar or the Scotties down the road. But now that you've gotten your feet wet in mixed doubles, would that be a discipline you might focus on if your men's career were ever to stall for whatever reason? Yeah, I think the great thing about curling is that it's really a lifelong sport and you make so many connections along the way that uh, at any level, playing is just really fun. And especially as you get older, uh, the season tends to shorten up, especially as you age out of U18s and then eventually age out of juniors, and then you're just playing men's, and men's is more competitive, your weekends tend to free up a little bit more. So I I really do enjoy mixed doubles, and that is, I think, uh, a really fun way that we can continue curling, and I definitely want to continue playing mixed doubles into the future. You mentioned a little earlier that you were playing with a new team this season. Can you introduce the audience to your teammates and share what big events you've got coming up? Well, our team is brand new this year, but we've all been curling for a really long time and playing against each other so often that we all knew each other well before this season. So this year we're curling out of the Sutherland Curling Club here in Saskatoon, where we're all going to the U of S. But before this, uh, our skip, Cody Sutherland, curled out of Rosetown. Uh, I'm playing third and I curled out of Weyburn. Our second, James Hom, curled out of uh, the Regina Cali Club and our lead, Jack Reed, played out of the Twin Rivers Club in North Battleford. So we really cover a lot of ground. We're from all over the province, and uh, we really get along quite well. And this season, it was our first season, but we're playing great. We qualified second overall to qualify for the Junior Provincials. Uh, We're playing in different junior events, playing competitively. We're also playing in a couple of men's SCT events here in Saskatchewan. And for the first little bit, it wasn't too pretty. The scores were a little bit lopsided, but as we continued on, the games got a little closer. And we ended up uh, winning a couple games on tour, um, playing against some great teams. Coming up is our Junior Provincials, which are happening right after Christmas until New Year's. And then after that, we're going to go and revisit our own clubs in our own towns and, and play the Bonspiel circuits and, and just keep keep curling. It's been a long time since a team from Saskatchewan has won a Briar. It was uh, such a long time ago, in fact, that even I was young when it last happened. Uh, we saw how excited Newfoundland got when Brad Gushu won his first Briar a couple of years ago in St. John's. How big would it be if a Saskatchewan team were to win the Briar? It would be huge for a Saskatchewan team to win the Briar. It's been a really long time. I couldn't even tell you. Like It's been over 40 years, I think. Uh, but I think Matt Dunstone's team, they've been playing really good this season. And so in the next couple of years, I think they're going to be the team to watch as well. You know, Kirk Myers winning the tankard last year, representing the Briar. They played good. But Matt Dunstone winning the, some slams and beating some bigger teams. I think it would be huge for a Saskatchewan team to win the Briar, especially considering that uh, the Olympic trials are here in, in Saskatoon coming up. So it would just be amazing because... There are not better fans than the green-blooded people of Saskatchewan, and everybody here would love to cheer for a hometown team at the Olympic trials. I can tell from our conversation that you're a big fan of the sport, and I was wondering if you've ever tried to emulate one of the players on tour in your own young curling career. Well, I was always a huge fan of Brad Gushu growing up. I think that he's just just great. And now, as the, the game continues and new teams start coming up, I'm really a fan of Brendan Botcher. And his team, Darren Molding, is is really fun and entertaining to watch. But Brendan is really cool and calm and collected, which is how myself and Cody, our skip, we really uh, take pride in ourselves to to just be calm, cool, and collected on the ice. So I really respect that team. And then just watching uh, different curling games and Russ Howard commentating uh, gives us lots of ideas of how we play our game. 
And finally, Landon, I want to go full circle with you. We started the interview talking about where you first learned how to play, and many people refer to Saskatchewan as the heartbeat of Canadian curling, where the sport has long been at the very centre of many smaller communities. How important was curling in a place like Weyburn, where you grew up? It's just such a central part of the community. I mean, everybody looks forward to leagues. My family is in different leagues. I mean, I would curl and then my brothers would curl and my mom and dad and everybody, cousins, aunts, friends, everybody kind of gathers at the curling rink and it gives you that sense of belonging and a real sense of uh, community and friendship. And it just teaches you uh, different ways to act and go in and meet new people and really bring that sense of community uh, wherever you go. Serena Gray Withers is the skip of a junior team in Manitoba, which just won the Manitoba Junior Curling Tour Championship and will be one of the favorites at the upcoming Manitoba Junior Provincials. Serena, how did you first get interested in the sport of curling and at what club did you learn how to play? I first started curling when I was seven. Um, I went to a called Dougald School, which is in Dougald, Manitoba, and they had an after-school program, uh, which I um, did, obviously. and. Um, from there, I just started to love it. My grandma was also a competitive curler. She went to Masters Canadians. Um, so her love for it just kind of made me want to get into it too. So then it just kind of went from there. And then, and then I started to get more competitive as the years went on. You seem to have slowly made your way up the Manitoba Junior Rankings. I know that you're still young for a curler, but was there an event or a game where you first got the sense that you had what it took to be competitive at the junior level in a very tough province? I think that it's just come up with age. Uh, Obviously, when I was younger, I didn't think that I was going to get this far, but um, with all of the practice and um, time that I put into it, it really has made me think and believe that I that anyone can uh, do it if they put in the time and effort um, to be a good competitive junior curler. So Serena, you're a successful junior and you also seem to already be receiving fairly good amount of support from sponsors. Does that put additional pressure on you as a young team, knowing that there are sponsors out there that have invested in your team and that at the very least you have to represent them well? Yeah. So I do think that support, um, it doesn't quite add pressure on our team, um, but it does, um, let us know that we still do need to perform our best in order to continue to have money coming in because if you don't win, the bank account just keeps draining. So we do know that we always need to perform our best and do well for the sponsors so that we continue to keep getting that support and sponsorship each year. But I don't think that it's uh, pressure on us. I think that it's just allows us to enter in great events and continue to do so. Speaking of your junior team, you guys are coming off a big win at the Manitoba Junior Curling Tour Championship. Yeah, so um, that was a great win for our team. We worked really hard to get there. That was one of our goals this season, actually, was to be Manitoba Junior Curling Tour Champions. We knew that we were going to be playing the top 10 teams in Manitoba, so we were going to have to be playing our best and on our A game. Um, we brought a lot of focus that weekend, and uh, we just all had the same mindset, which I think was really helpful. Once we had made it to the finals, we knew that we were having to play a really tough team, Team Zacharias. And when we we just continued to bring our best game, stay focused through every end, and it ended up uh, going in our favor, which was really great. So that was a great win for us. We were super happy about that. A victory like that has to put your team in a positive mindset, especially since the provincial juniors are coming up at the end of the month, right? Uh, yeah, we did. We talked about treating it as kind of a provincial trial because we knew we were going to see uh, most of the same teams. So it was a confidence booster, but we do still know that we're going to have to bring our best game to provincials and going to have to play some tough teams. So did you and your junior team even attempt to qualify for the provincial Scotties this year or were your plates a little bit too full already? We actually decided not to just because, well, a few of us are in our first year of university and the rest are in their second and third. But um, we decided not to just because uh, our final exam schedule was just too crazy and 
it just didn't work out. So we are just focusing on provincials, junior provincials. Earlier this season, you played in a World Curling Tour event where you faced a couple of teams ranked in the top 25 in the world. What were the takeaways for your team after participating in that tour event and facing some experienced competition? Going into that event, we knew that we were going to be playing very, very tough teams. So we were going to have to bring our A game. Unfortunately, that weekend we didn't play our best, but um, it just made us think that much more how good these teams capitalize um, on those missed shots and um, don't let you get back in the game. So I think that after that event, we have taken a lot of that and used it to our um, junior game. And that's mainly one of the reasons why we've had so much success is because we treat every game um, like we're playing some of those teams. Um, and I believe it's really benefited us and helped our game a lot. Is there any one player out there that you have tried to emulate or pattern your game after this early in your junior career? Actually, someone that I look up to is um, Kevin Cooey and their team. They are a great team. They have great dynamics. They've always, you can always tell how hard they work um, together and individually. Um, but Kevin Cooey himself, just because he's such a great leader on the ice. And since I'm a skip, I've kind of taken over that role also. But he brings a sort of calm and focus uh, to the game. And which I believe that helps his team stay focused and helps them with their nerves and calms their anxiety on the ice, which I think that uh, me being calm helps my team be calm and uh, adds to our success. Speaking of leading your team, you're playing a second straight season with the same lineup, which is something that doesn't always happen in junior curling with players aging out uh, on a fairly regular basis. Has it helped you as a skip to play a second straight season with the same teammates? Oh, yeah, for sure. It definitely helps. Um as a skip, you need to know how your players are throwing, how to control their emotions, and how to help them up if they're down on the ice, um, which I think is definitely beneficial in the second year around. Um, we know how one another works. We It's definitely easier for me to ice everyone. I It also helps that all my teammates are very consistent with their throws. But um, on the emotional side of things, we definitely know what one another needs. Um, we have spent a lot of time um, thinking about that and talking with sports psychologists about that. Um, so we're all on the same page. And I think that we've just gotten better as a team the second year around. So, yeah, I think it's great that we stuck it around for another year and um, we just put more work into it. And finally, Serena, since we are talking about your teammates, let's give the players on your team a shout-out. Our lead, Lane Prokopowicz, our second, Brianna Cullen, and our third, Catherine Cullen. Uh, they're great teammates, and um, I really love playing with them. Mac Ellis is a junior curler who learned to curl at the Nanaimo Curling Club and who last season competed in both the under-18 and under-21 BC Provincial Championships, including an unexpected stint as skip of his under-21 team at Provincials. So, Mac, how did you first get involved in curling, and at what club did you learn how to curl? Uh, so, I learned to curl out of the Nanaimo Curling Club, and uh, I actually got into it. A friend just brought me to his uh, kind of like bring a friend to curling. It was like a junior curl program. And uh, ever since I just first stepped on the ice and threw my first rock, I might have not been very good to start, but I just always fell in love with it, and I like the different aspects of the game. And, uh, yeah, ever since then, I've just been uh, a really big fan and, and love playing the sport. Last season, your team finished third at the Provincial Under-18s in British Columbia, a province that has produced a number of strong young curlers at the junior levels over the past few years. Tell me about that experience at the Provincial Under-18s. Yeah, so that uh, that U18 uh, Provincial was only my second ever Provincial, so uh, I was definitely still feeling a little bit of those, a uh, little bit of the butterflies for sure. Going into it, I knew we had a good team, and I felt we had a good chance of potentially walking away with the championship. Uh, we got to the tiebreaker. We had probably our best game uh, our best game yet that, uh, that whole week. And then it came to, uh, came to the semifinal, the two, three semifinal to, uh, to play in the final. And, um, we just, we started, struggled off a little bit at the beginning. Um, but we ended up coming back fighting really hard and the skip, uh, of team Caldwell, I think they're the team that ended up, uh, going to represent BC, uh, made a really nice shot, uh, to, to take the win from us there. But 
um, it really showed me that, you know, if I keep putting in the work that, uh, that I eventually could get to a championship game and maybe represent BC one day. You also played in the under 21 junior provincials last season where you unexpectedly got to play a few games at skip. How did that all come about? My, uh, my skip, uh, ended up falling, uh, tripped on kind of on the ice onto the backboards and, uh, twisted his knee and la- landed on it. So it was pretty bad. And, um, before he knew it, I was going to have to skip uh, for the next second half, really, of the U21 Provincials. And uh, we ended up going 0 for 3 in our first games. And so, you know, at that point, we weren't really looking to uh, to win the championship or anything, but we were looking to take out as much as, as we could from that experience. And we ended up going uh, 2 for 2 on our last four games with me skipping and bringing in a spare. So the dynamics were definitely a lot different than we'd been used to for the uh, for most of the season. Uh, but we all stepped up to the plate, uh, having to take a new position. And um, it was really cool for me being able to throw last rocks. It's something I hadn't done for a couple of years. The start of your junior career in BC has coincided with the tail end of Team Tardy's junior years. Tell me a little bit about competing against arguably one of the best junior teams in Canadian history and what you may have learned while playing against them. Yeah, so uh, we, we, get to see them, uh, we got to see them lots in the last couple of years uh, on the junior tour. And uh, anytime you get to play them, it's uh, it's something special. I mean, you you even get to watch them on TV. So when you actually you know get to play them in person, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, one thing about Team Tardy that I think is different from a lot of teams is is their ability to read other teams, and not just not just like the little things, like the technical things, like releases um, or anything like that, but just reading the emotional behavior of teams and being able to say, hey, this guy just missed a shot. He's down. Let's go get them in the next end. And they do a really good job of doing that. And that's how they're able to control a lot of games. And I think it's how they're able to stay at the top of it. You know, they're just, they're not focusing on what everyone else is focusing on. They're focusing on those other small little things here and there. And I think with all the, obviously the talent that they have, all those little things together really just makes an amazing team. And they've showed it. I mean, three Canadian junior uh, championship titles and two worlds. I mean, that's, that's pretty special. And uh, I think everyone's going to remember them for a very long time. You're playing lead for Team Carpenter this season, and I thought I'd give you a few moments to shout out your teammates and introduce them to our audience. For sure. So I'll start out with our uh, skip, uh, Braden Carpenter. Uh, and then we go down to third, uh, Connor Dean. Second, Troy Cowan. And then myself, uh, Mac Ellis, playing lead. And I'd also like to uh, shout out uh, Greg Dean, who's our coach. Is there a player that you have tried to emulate both in your technical and your approach to the sport? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't really have someone that I think that my delivery, I mean, there obviously are people out there that I think my delivery looks similar to. Um, but when it actually goes to how people play the game, I really am a big fan of Brad Gushu. I always have been. I don't know what it is about him, but um, just his composure and his competitiveness as well is is something that I I, um, I definitely strive to, to one day get to. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely a big Brad Gushu fan, so. And finally, uh, Mac, I know from chatting with you just a few uh, minutes before we started the actual interview that you follow the results of most of the other young teams in BC. So I thought I'd ask you if there were any young women's teams that you've seen evolve over the past couple of seasons that might make some noise at events such as the Scotties in the next few years. I know that Sarah Work made the championship pool at the Scotties last season representing BC, but it had been a tough goal for BC's women's representatives at the Scotties over the past three or four years, having finished near the bottom of the standings in each of those events. One team, there's a lot of obviously good talent, and I think that's what we've kind of seen that every year it's kind of almost been like a different women's team that ends up uh, representing BC. One team for sure is uh, Corinne Brown's team. I think that they've got a really good shot at uh, at kind of, you know, making a name for themselves and representing BC. Obviously, I don't get to play a, a lot of the women's teams because, I mean, being uh, playing in the U21 junior guys and uh, U18s, um, but I do get to you know, to see a lot of those uh, younger girls teams. And one team that I I think, not obviously in the next couple of years, but maybe, you know, five, ten years from now, I think if they stick together, it could be a really good team, would be Team Richards. And they're actually a, uh, a U16 team, but they're competing with the best U21 teams. They ended up ranking second in the province. And uh, I definitely think that they have got a really good shot at kind of being that almost like that next Tyler Tardy kind of team. Um, but as for women's teams now, I'd say Corinne Brown's probably, uh, her team probably got the best shot at representing BC. And our final guest for this special holiday episode of the From the Hack podcast is Abby Hager of Blind River in Northern Ontario, who has overcome so much in her young life and still managed to win a provincial high school championship. So Abby, when did you first get interested in the sport of curling and at what club did you learn how to play? So I first started curling when I was seven years old at the Blind River Curling Club. So it's the curling club in my hometown of Blind River. 
and I started curling because my mom really wanted me and my brother to join. It was something that she always grew up watching with my both my grandparents curling, so she always was there watching them and always watched it on TV. So I grew up knowing about the sport, but I never got to learn how to play it until I was seven. So when I first started, I immediately fell in love with the sport, and it was one of one of the things that I finally was able to do something that my brother couldn't. I started, and it was just one of those things that I was really good at, and I enjoyed it so much. You played lead for the team that won the Ontario High School or OSA Championship last season. How exciting was it to play in a provincial championship like that and come back home with the title? That was just one of the most amazing experiences that I ever had. It was one of those things that we walked in and we were, we kind of had the mindset that if we don't win a game, that's fine. At least we made it this far. We were happy with whatever happened. And as we kept winning our games, it was just better and better. We had our whole community just constantly on Facebook waiting for updates as to how we were doing. I know there was quite a few parents that had to post updates during our game because everyone was just waiting to see, were they winning? Were they losing? How are they doing? Are they going to end up winning this? So it was just amazing to have our community support behind us. And even just being able to do this with my friends. I never thought we would ever do this. Coming from Blind River, we only have, say, 3,600 people here. So to be the first ever team from WC Eckett to actually qualify, well, qualify for off the curling and actually end up winning it was just completely incredible. You were also the lead of your under-18 team last season, a team that did not fare as well as your high school team. There's an old saying in sport that you often learn more from losing or disappointing results than you ever do from winning. So I'm wondering what you may have learned from your experience with your under-18 team last season and how it's made you a better player this season. So definitely at OFSA, I learned that I am very capable of doing as much as I want to curling-wise. And even uh, this being my first year back in competitive due to my health, um, I've learned that you just communication is key. Like if you don't have good communication with your team, you're not going to do good. If your team is constantly fighting, then you're not going to make the shots that you need to make and you're not going to do as well as you want to. Like if you don't have proper communication and you don't support each other, you're not going to end up as you want to. We haven't had any problems with that so far. We communicate really well and we have supported each other through, through everything. So like having that has made our team very good and I'm really happy to be with them. Abby, you just briefly mentioned that you've had some health issues, uh, mostly two difficult battles against cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about your battle and how curling may have helped you during those difficult times? I was diagnosed when I was four years old with stage four neuroblastoma in my abdomen. So I was very young the first time and it was very hard for my family. It was never something that we actually expected to deal with. And so then when everything got better, we thought, okay, it's good. We can start living a normal life. Uh, but in, unfortunately, when I was 13, I collapsed in my bathroom and I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. So that was a long eight months of living in the hospital and being away from home. So I didn't get to curl, unfortunately, that season. So it was a very big disappointment for me. I was unfortunately paralyzed on the I believe the right side of my body. So I wasn't able to actually walk for about two months. So I did a lot of physiotherapy to try to teach myself how to walk again. So having to deal with that was heartbreaking. I actually didn't believe that I'd be able to curl again because I didn't think I was going to be able to walk. So being able to do that physiotherapy and teach myself how to walk again, I thought, yeah, I'll be able to get back on the ice again and I will be able to curl. Because I've always dreamed about going to the Scotties and going to the Olympics and winning and being a famous curler from Northern Ontario because you don't see that, see that very often. So having to deal with all that stuff has like inspired me to work harder and try to get back on the ice. And thank God I did because I've had I've been able to have these experiences that I have the last few years. 
All right. So, Abby, tell me about that first time you got back on the ice after your latest battle with cancer, being paralyzed on the right side of your body for a few months and, and not really knowing if you'd ever be able to walk again, let alone curl again. Honestly, it was actually kind of awkward. I forgot exactly how it felt. And I forgot how slippery the ice actually can be. And so, thank God I didn't fall, but I was very close. And being able to throw my first rock again was exactly what I needed to tell myself that, yeah, I've I've done it. I've been, like, I'll be able to curl again. And as hard as it was for, like, me to not be able to curl that year or or two, to finally be back on the ice was exactly what I needed to feel almost normal again and to feel like myself. Is there one player that you try to emulate uh, on the ice or potentially pattern your game after a little bit? Honestly, I'm not sure, but if I had to actually choose one, I'd probably pick Brad Jacobs. Brad Jacobs is actually from about an hour and a half away from where I actually live. So I've grown up kind of knowing him, him being at my curling club in different tournaments with his uncle. And so I got to watch him curl with before he was actually famous. And so to have that experience and be able to see that, yeah, this this guy is just a normal guy playing in different men's bonds fields and different things like that. And to actually see him move on to winning the gold medal at the Olympics and be from Northern Ontario, I think that's pretty inspiring. And I'd love to be able to do that again or get to do that one day myself. A little earlier, we talked about your team, and I was hoping you might tell our audience who your teammates are and what big events you have coming up. So my team is actually the same team that won OFSA. We have our skip, Maya Smith, our vice, Ava Olson. Uh, our second is actually Jordan Smith, so it's a new player. And then our lead slash fifth is Athena Moffat. And then our coach is Scott Smith, Maya's dad. And finally, Abby, rumor has it that you bake excellent cookies. So if you had to bake cookies for any one player or team on tour, who would that be and what kind of cookies would you bake for them? Oh, I'd probably make my famous chocolate chip cookies, and i do it for anyone that wants them. I've been asked many times to make these cookies for people, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And that does it for this holiday episode of the From the Hack podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please follow us on Facebook and on Twitter for all our latest curling content. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.